In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Our Bible study today from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 11, starting from verse 38. Uh, the first part... No, actually, I'm sorry. We'll start from verse 28. 28, not 38, 28. The first part of the chapter when they told the Lord Jesus Christ about the death. Uh, first, they told him that Lazarus was sick, then Lazarus died, and then the Lord went to Bethany, and Martha met him while he was coming uh, on the road. And the Lord actually gave her the hope when he told her, your son will rise. Uh, so Martha actually made a statement of faith in verse 27 when she told him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. And this is very similar to the statement of faith was made by Peter when he told him, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. So start from verse 28. And when she had said, when she, Martha, had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. When Martha had made this great statement of faith or confession of faith, her heart was filled with hope that maybe my brother would rise. So the horrific shadow of death is now transparent to a heavenly light. After death for her was like very, very dark, but now the heavenly light starts to shine into her heart. But she must share her hope with her sister. Also, the Lord Jesus gave the commission to get Mary, as is obvious from the words of Martha, which follows when she said to Mary, the Lord is calling for you. But the Lord Jesus Christ has remained outside the town. But why? she secretly called Mary. Some say it was done secretly to avoid attracting the notice of the Jews who were with her. And also lest the hostile Jews should hear and interrupt the dialogue. And others believe that the secrecy was due to uh, to give a personal time between Mary and Martha and the Lord Jesus Christ. So not so much because of the presence of the enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ, but more importantly, the desire of Martha that to have personal time with Mary and with the Lord Jesus Christ unaccompanied even by friends. 
And for the same purpose, Jesus remained in the place where he had met Martha outside, outside the town. Verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The word, when she told her, the master is calling for you, the word master here is not the Hebrew rabbi, but it is a Greek word means teacher. He is not named when she told her, the master is calling for you, but Mary at once knew who is intended. Perhaps the name was that uh, by which they usually spoke of him being their teacher. So in the family of Martha and Mary, they used to refer to the Lord by the teacher or the master. Mary was sitting at the house. Sitting here, the St. John mentioned sitting because this was the manner of grief or those who are mourning. The news now, the news she now hears tell her that the true comforter was at hand. That's why at once she went forth to meet him. And Mary immediately went to him outside the town. This confirmed that Mary had not previously heard that the Lord Jesus Christ had arrived. Otherwise, she would have met him earlier. Verse to 31. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Uh, so when Mary arose to go to Jesus, the Jews saw it and concluded she was going to the tomb to weep there. So they decided to follow her. The result of this was there were many witnesses present at the miracle when the Lord Jesus Christ raised Lazarus. It was customary to visit occasionally the tombs there to weep over the deceased person. Verse 42, then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. These words are exactly the same words by Martha in verse 21. So Mary also mildly reproaches the Lord Jesus Christ with these words. Uh, 
she added no more. Uh, maybe she didn't say because of the presence of uh, the Jews, so she did not say any more words. But her emotions was too powerful for the world, and the only possible language for her was begging, lying at his feet, and weeping. So, what was the reaction? Verse 33, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Uh, this was the Lord's response. And the word groaned in the spirit and was troubled. This is a verse of debate among biblical scholars. It's clear that the Lord displayed strong emotions here and he wept. Uh, and many scholars found the Greek word very difficult to translate. This difficulty because what's being translated in Greek and St. John was written in Greek seems to be like idiom that express deep internal emotion. So the debate of those who want to translate whether the emotion is sorrow as expressed in this translation or anger. Some believed that the word groaned doesn't mean cry out or grieved, but rather he made a visible effort to restrain those tears which were ready to gush from his eyes. So the word groan refers to the effort of restraining, holding his tears. And the word troubled also, troubled referring to the visible difficulty of repressing his emotion. So he wants to repress and to control his emotion. Another explanation that he was angry because now he is face to face with the realm of Satan. Death entered into the world by the envy of the devil. So he's angry because he's standing face to face with the realm of Satan and the sin that brings suffering and death. Manifestation of Satan's evil influence over creation and mankind. St. John Chrysostom suggests this, that in this passage, Jesus has mixture of emotion, that he felt also the same mixture of emotion in the Garden of Gethsemane, and was mentioned in the Gospel of St. Mark 1433. 
According to John Chrysostom, it is an emotional distress caused by the imminence of his suffering and death and the climax of his struggle with Satan. So whether his emotion was anger or grief or combination of both, this passage allows us to reflect on the depth of Jesus' human feeling, reminding us that he was both fully divine and fully man, and these two natures united together without mingling confusion or alteration. Therefore, he was able to, exp to experience the depth of the emotions that we feel. And the intense feeling that he had prompted him to end the scene by asking, where have you laid him? He knows where, according to St. Augustine, but he wanted to raise their faith, their attention and hope to watch the miracle. Jesus wept. This is different from when he wept over Jerusalem on Hosanna Sunday, as we read in Luke 19, 41. The present word in verse 33, sorry, in verse Jesus wept, in verse 35, uh, means not only cry of lamentation, nor the wail of ex excessive grief, but the calm shedding of tear. So the word means just while he was standing, there were tears coming from his eyes. Calm shedding of tears. This is actually the shortest verse in the Bible but it is exceedingly tender and important. It shows the Lord Jesus Christ as a friend, tender friend, shows clearly his character as man. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Some suggest if Jesus can be moved to tears over the temporary physical death of a friend and a believer. How must he feel over the spiritual death of the sinner who has brought about his own eternal condemnation? And if Jesus wept over physical death, then how would he feel when he sees the spiritual death of his children? Also, Jesus was about to give proofs of his divinity in raising the dead. 
He is pleased to give first undoubted proofs of his humanity that he might show himself as God-man. God-man, the incarnated Son of God. The Jews observed Jesus' sorrow. Clearly, they knew who he was and what he was reported to have done in the past. So the Jews knew who Jesus was and the miracles that he performed in the past. And some of them were greatly impressed by his love toward Lazarus. And some of them stated that he had opened the eye of the blind. So the reasoning here, he could have kept Lazarus from dying. So it is not clear whether this was said sincerely or critically. They are criticizing him. In any case, they misunderstood the Lord's motivation. He did not do miracles just because he loved the people or not to remove not, nor to remove all suffering from the people's life. This was not the intention. And the Lord Jesus Christ never in, made a miracle just because he loved this family or just to remove suffering from the people's life. Because if this was his motive, he would have stopped Lazarus from dying. But he let even his dearest loved one, Lazarus, endure the suffering and grief that's common fate for mankind. Then he used the opportunity to work a far greater miracle than any of them expected. If he healed Lazarus, it was just a miracle of healing. The result was to give great proof for his claims that he is divine, he is the Son of God. So, removing the suffering even from his disciples or the friends was not the purpose of his miracles. All the disciples were martyrs except St. John. So, removing the suffering was not the purpose. The result of Jesus' conduct was to give greater evidence than even the Jews uh, proposed. By raising Lazarus, this was a great evidence of his divinity. Uh, not only had he healed the blind, and not only could he have healed Lazarus, but he removed all doubt about his miraculous uh, power by raising one who had been dead for days. So, besides healing the blind, he wanted actually to perform a greater miracle, to raise a person who has been dead for four days as an evidence of his divinity. Verse 38, Then Jesus again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. 
Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. The tomb was a cave and a stone lay against it. This was the common burial arrangement. Even the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ was like this. Still sorrowing or groaning in himself, Jesus went to the tomb. There he told the people to remove the stone. Although by his word and command, he could have made Lazarus come out without taking off the stone or removing the stone. But God wants to teach us a principle that for us to accomplish any task, there is a human effort and divine effort. Human effort is to do what you can. And the divine effort is to do what you cannot. God will never do your work for you. God does not encourage laziness. So we can remove the stone. We will remove the stone. Then he will raise the dead. We can offer the five loaves and two fish. Then he can feed the multitude. We can cast out the net for a catch. Then he will allow the fish to enter into the net. So we need to do our part. Then he will do his part. Martha objected, or at least questioned him, pointing out that Lazarus had been dead for days and would by that time have an odor or stench. Maybe she thought that Jesus just wanted to see the body of Lazarus. But Martha's statement assured us of the length of the time since the death. So there was no doubt Lazarus was dead. His family and friends had witnessed all that happened and they were convinced he was dead for four days. He had been dead so long to decomposition would have begun. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? St. John continues to give the details that assure us of the greatness of the miracle. The doubt of Martha was mildly rebuked by the Lord. Jesus reminded Martha that he had told her she would see the glory of God. She needed to continue to have faith that he knew what he was doing and would use the situation in the best way. Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the, of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. 
So they removed the stone and Jesus prayed to God before proceeding. Here the Lord clarifies that the relationship between the Father and the Son does not require such prayer. He prayed for the people. So it is intended, this prayer is intended for those present who need to believe that the Lord Jesus had a relationship with God the Father. Because it was common opinion that great miracles might be wrought by the power and in the name of the devil. That's why Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven. And he called upon the supreme God before these unbelieving Jews that they might see that it was by God's power and by God's power only this miracle was done. So every barrier and obstacle to, to their faith is removed, completely taken away. Uh, and their faith might stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the Most High. On this account, our Lord says he spoke because of the multitude, because of the multitude, that they might see there was no diabolic influence here, and that God in his mercy had visited his people. Verse 43. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lathers, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. With a loud voice, this was distinctly asserting his power. He uttered a distinct audible voice that there might be no suspicion. Speaking aloud so as all might hear and understand that what was done was done by his powerful word. He did not use another person's name, but he called him Lathers by his name. And he gave an order uh, to the dead to arise. He calls him by his name and he ordered him come forth. He would have the disciples and those who were at hand take part in this matter by asking them lose him. Why he asked them to lose him? That the fullest conviction might rest on the person's mind concerning the reality of what was wrote. So actually they will be convicted without any doubt that the dead man rose from the dead. And this is the sixth miracle in the Gospel of St. John. Uh, 
and he gave back physical life as a sign of his power to give eternal life also, the promise that he made to us on the last day. Our body will be risen with a, and united with our souls in the paradise and will live eternally with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. So this resurrection to prove that he can also give eternal life. In the day of judgment, he will call the dead with a great sound and with a great sound of trumpet. Jesus, when he rose, he left the grave clothes, but Lazarus came by the grave clothes because Jesus rose with an immortal body, the glorified body. But Lazarus rose with mortal body. He died again, actually. That's why he rose with grave clothes. St. Gregory made a comment about lose him and let him go. He said, by giving these orders to his disciples, show that it belongs to his ministers to lose and absolve sinners when they are moved to repentance, though it is God himself that forgives their sins and they by his authority only. So St. Gregory said, when he told him lose him, it was implied also the power to lose the person from sin, because sin is a spiritual death. Yes, Jesus is the one who forgives sin, but he gave the disciples and the priests to forgive sin by his authority. Lazarus came forth bound from the tomb that he might not be thought to be spirit or ghost. And also that many eyewitnesses, when they loosed him from the grave clothes and touching him and approaching him, might know for certain that it was him. St. Cyril and St. Augustine agree with St. Gregory that this verse shows the power of the priest in absolving the sinners from their sins. Verse 45. Then many of the Jews who came to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. But why it's mentioned came to Mary, not Mary and Martha? Many believed in the Lord when they saw what he did, while others went to the religious leaders and the Pharisees, as we'll see in verse 46. But they are called those who came to Mary because they remained with Mary in the house after Martha had gone to meet out the Lord, and also those who came with Mary from the house to the tomb followed her when she went. Verse 46, But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Those who went to Pharisee, 
may be to arouse them or to present a testimony of what had happened or to invite them to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. What they have been seeing, the miracle that they saw, has carried conviction to their own minds. And they reported to the Pharisees, either as a proof that he was really the Messiah, the Son of God, or in any case, demand from them a judgment on the facts which they report. So they went to the religious leaders to tell them, tell us, we witnessed miracle, raising dead men. So we want your religious opinion about this miracle. So we see different effect after the miracle, after the word of God and the miracle of God. One event, but has different effects on different individuals. Some believed, but some went to the Pharisees. Some converted, and some, their heart was hardened. Yet the evidence of this miracle was so clear to everyone, but some of them could not be convinced, even after this miracle. Verse 47, Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. So the Pharisees reacted at once and went to the chief priests. And the chief priests were mostly from the Sadducees at the time. And together they called for the council, the Sanhedrin. So they accepted the testimony of the Jews who have come to them and cannot longer give any doubt upon the miracle. And they felt that they have been inactive for too long. They didn't do anything to this man. While Jesus had been daily getting influ gaining influence. And the form of their question is a strange contradiction. They admitted that he did many miracles. Yet their pride make them wanted to get rid of him instead of believing. So they did not call him even by his name, but by insulting him when they said, This man. It is amazing and enlightening that even the enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ admitted his miracles. So the concern to them was the people. If they believe that Jesus is the Messiah, this will cause like 
uh, uprising effort to make him the king. And when the people demand to make Jesus as a king, the Romans will be compelled to crush the uprising. And these leaders feared that this would result in the loss of their privileges that they got. Because at that time, Rome was in power. But Rome allowed the Jews to have their own nation, their own rulers, including their council, the Sanhedrin. So they were afraid that rebellion could lead to such opposition from the Rome. And they would lose the, the high priest and the council, the Sanhedrin, would lose their position and the favor they received from Rome. But it's interesting to notice, when people act in opposition to the counsel of God or to the will of God, then the very evil they want to avoid, it will happen to them. They wanted to avoid the destruction of the temple, and they want to avoid the destruction of the Jewish nation. They said, if we do not put Jesus to death, the Roman will both destroy our temple, our place, and our nation. Now, after they put the Lord Jesus Christ to death and crucified him, and because of this, the Romans burned completely their temple to the ground and was not built until now. And they put an end to the political existence of the Jews. They refer to the temple by calling the temple our place. And also the same term was used in Acts chapter 6, verse 13 and 14. So why the temple was referred to by the word the place? By way of eminence as being the chief or the principal place on earth. So when they say the place, it is the temple. The word the place refers to the temple, being the seat of the special worship of God. Verse 49, And one of them, one of the chief priests, Qiafa, being high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. According to the law of Moses, Exodus 40, 15, the office of high priest was for life, and the sons of Aaron race always succeeded his father. But at the time of Jesus Christ, the high priesthood was almost annual. The Romans and Herod controlled the appointment of the high priests, and apparently they saw a lifetime appointment as a position, too much power and too much influence. So they put down and raised up whom they pleased, and when they pleased. The first century AD, 
Josephus, the Jewish historian, had confirmed that this was the practice under the Roman rule at the time in which our Lord Jesus Christ lived. So every year they appoint a new high priest. Josephus records also that Qiafa is the name by which he was popularly renowned. But his real name was Joseph. So Qiafa told them, you know nothing at all. Verse 50, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nations. And not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. One man die for the people. In saying these remarkable words, Qiafa had no other intention than merely to state it's better to put Jesus to death than to expose the whole nation to ruin. That's what he meant. But since he was the high priest, the spirit of prophecy directed him while he was using the word in order to make the same sentence spiritually appropriate. That's why St. John said he did not say this on his own authority. Although he was a wicked man and a worthless man, but since he was the high priest, God guided his tongue contrary to his intention and he pronounced a prophecy about the death of Jesus Christ. Qiafa intended to say Jesus must die to save the nation of Judea from political ruin by the Romans. That's what he meant but in a prophetic way. He did not, and Qiafa did not recognize that he meant in a prophetic way that the death of Jesus is necessary for the salvation of the world. Also, we read in verse 52, he would gather together in one the children of God. The word gather here in verse 52 and the word gather in verse 47. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees gather together. It is the same word. So they were gathered together to kill Jesus. And the death of Jesus to gather all the children of God in one body. 
So the priests and the Pharisees gathered together to kill Jesus. So that the dispersed children of God are gathered together and will be given the gift of life through the death of Jesus. Who are the children of God who are scattered abroad? These are the believers from all the nations, the Gentiles. They will come together as members of one body, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, into one body. So these rulers were of one accord in this manner and had fully made up their mind on the subject. They waited only for the proper opportunity to put Jesus to death. So this was their final decision to put him to death. They had attempted this before, but they failed. But from this point on, it became their settled intent. This was their intention. Verse 53, that's why we read, and from that day, they plotted to put him to death. So the remaining question for them was how they would carry this decree of death without exciting the or or triggering a popular uproar among the people or bringing themselves into collision with the Romans. Verse 54. Therefore Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim and remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near And many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they saw Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? That he will come to the feast? So they were questioning whether he will come or he will not come to the feast. Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it that they might seize him. So apparently Jesus himself, to avoid confrontation with the Jews, so Jesus no longer openly associated and taught among them. He went with his disciples to a city called Ephraim in the wilderness. This time of retirement did not last long. Jesus was apparently waiting till the proper time for the final confrontation that would lead to his death. So this is Jesus' last opportunity to teach his disciples, to strengthen their faith, and to prepare them for his death 
and also for their mission. The Passover feast was approaching. That's why we celebrate Lather Saturday just before the Passion Week. So many Jews went to Jerusalem to attend the feast as required by the law of Moses. The Passover was the annual celebration of the time God spared the firstborn Israelites when he slew the firstborn of the Egyptians. And according to the law, everybody should go to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. So the people wondered whether Jesus would even come to the feast considering the opposition with the rulers or he will escape. But the rulers had commanded that anyone who knew where he is should report it to them that they would seize him. Jesus had not then arrived because he would not expose himself to the anger of his enemies before his own time. But in the time he will go to Jerusalem. And from the time they commanded the people to, to tell them about where he is, this was their hour and the power of the darkness hour. Now they are fully determined to take away the life of Jesus. So the order they made him or the command they made here was giving as a reaction to the determination or application to the determination or the decision made by the council Sanhedrin. They met together. So uh, they decided to kill Jesus. That's why as an application to this decision, they made the command if anybody knows where he is, he should tell them. This concludes chapter 11 from the Gospel of St. John. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.